to the show called Let's Talk Homeschool. I'm Rachel, and today I'm with my handsome husband, Davis, and we are your hosts. Hello there, everybody. It's uh, kind of weird being on the other end of the microphone. This was your decision. <laughs> Welcome to episode nine. Today's show is entitled The Love of Learning. We'll be talking about what it looks like to instill a love of learning in the hearts and minds of your children. Are you ready? Let's Talk Homeschool is a show about everything homeschooling. We will be laser-focused on the topic. We'll discuss why you should and all the reasons why you can. If you are considering stepping out in faith and beginning a homeschool journey of a lifetime, then this show is for you. If you just started, we will affirm your decision to take the path less traveled. We plan to encourage you each step of the way. If you're committed to this lifestyle, and it really is a lifestyle, then we want to challenge and inspire you to new heights, to take it to the next level. Finally, we want to celebrate with you the many milestones that you'll experience along the way. This is an amazing adventure of a lifetime. We call it home education. We want to be your coaches, your cheerleaders, your biggest fans, rooting for you at the beginning, middle, and end of the journey. We're here to train you, teach you, and root you on. We want to be your mentors, the ones that we didn't have when we started this journey. Our vision is that you and millions of families all around the world will homeschool their kids from birth all the way to high school graduation and not give up before that time. But we don't just want you to merely survive. We want you to persevere and thrive and have the best homeschool possible. We believe that if there's ever been a time to homeschool, it is now. The sponsor of this show is Apologia Educational Ministries, whose mission is to help homeschooling families learn, live, and defend the faith. Apologia is the number one publisher of creation-based science and Bible curricula for homeschooling families with over 80 number one awards covering a time span of more than 12 years in a row. Now that's impressive. But more importantly, that's why Apologia is trusted by homeschooling families across the United States and around the world. Go to Apologia.com, a great place to explore creation. You can also go to homeschool-101.com and sign up for email updates. Okay, Davis, let's talk homeschool. In our family, we talk a lot about instilling a love of learning. What does that look like? And how can we help our kids have this attitude? Well, one of the first things that this brings to mind is when I was a kid in school and what would, what would kids say when you ask them, what do you think about school? Their typical answer, their, the popular answer was to say, I hate school. Yeah. And that, that always bothered me when I was going to school. I actually kind of liked learning, but I heard it when I was a kid. We've heard it 25 years ago when our kids just started. I heard it last week. Mm-hmm. So that's what we want to avoid. That's that's sure. that's not the ideal by any means, but to actually love learning mm-hmm. where a kid might say, I really like this subject mm-hmm. or look at this project that I just completed. Right. But I think part of it is that school isn't this compartmentalized piece of their life. That's key. That it's somehow integrated into 
every part of their life as they see it. Okay, so you're going back to our introductory words when we talked about this as a lifestyle, because I remember when we first started home educating, and I was panicked, right? Because I wanted to know, we pulled Charles out on a Friday, and I was panicked, and I called the two people on the planet that I knew home educated. And I wanted to know what I needed to do on Monday. Because in my mind, in the box that I had for education, it was Friday and Monday was coming. And I had to have a plan for Monday. And this one woman, bless her heart, she was so bold and courageous talking to this naive, ignorant person that I was um, in terms of home education at that time. And she said to me, she said, you know... This is a lifestyle choice. It's a lot less about just education. This is a lifestyle. You're, this changes everything. And I just remember listening to her on the phone. I was so glad she couldn't see my expression on my face because I rolled my eyes. I was like, okay, whatever. What do I do on Monday, right? But what you're saying is true. When we embrace home education as a lifestyle and we dare to allow learning to be integrated into everything we do in the Deuteronomy pattern, Six, yeah. right, of when you rise up and when you sit down and when you walk along the way and when you lie down, when what we're doing in this thing called home education and learning is something we do in the kitchen, right? It's something we do in the front yard. It's something we do in the van, obviously around the kitchen table, or over a book, but it's, we are doing a lifestyle of learning. We're talking about a complete paradigm shift. It's a literal 24-7, It is. And I remember in the early days of our homeschooling, I I would say that to people, Uh and they'd sort of be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Right, like me on the phone with that moment. And and even with myself, it was part of, part of it was me getting a grasp on what it meant for sure. this to be a lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not that we're literally clocking 24 hours a day, no. seven days a week, every day of the year learning, but, but in a is. sense, we actually are. Yeah. Because like you're saying, it's, it's integrated and woven into everything as opposed to what I said earlier, that compartmentalized idea, right. which is uh, the problem we had when we started. Right. We were trying to do what many people do right. unintentionally, and that's take your own educational experience, in my case, public school, in your case, private school, and we were trying to take those experiences and bring them home. Right. And that's the last thing we want to encourage our listeners to do. Right. When you homeschool, you've got to have your paradigm <laughs> crushed and broken and thrown out the window, Yeah. and you have to adopt this brand new philosophy that... Now, homeschooling, again, is part of your life. It's just part of your DNA. It's what you do. And as a result, you either love your life or hate your life, so to speak. Sure. And, you know, I'm not, I don't want to have a miserable family life. Right. I want to have something that's actually pretty enjoyable. And then that begins to be bred into the hearts and minds of our kids just naturally because they're part of what we're doing. Exactly. And I I think just so our listeners know, because I don't want anybody to be, feel like they're an abject failure, right? If they have not embraced this paradigm, because it's a hard paradigm, you know, you said we got to crush it. And that's, (laughs) well, it it crushes you. It does. It's one or the other, right? It's going to roll you over because you can't possibly maintain that. So the monster that so many people think of is home education. When I inter- interact with someone at the checkout or maybe 
at church and they're like, oh my goodness, you homeschool, I could never do that. That monster that they're envisioning as home education is what you're describing, that old paradigm of a box and a scope and sequence and a timeline and a a checklist, right, of all of these things we've got to get done. What you're suggesting is this, and I'm, you know, this might make people uncomfortable, but I, I really think home education is part of the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, right? Sure. And so it's this process. So your paradigm's probably not going to get crushed overnight. But I do think that God uses home education to sanctify us right. and to help us get out of these boxes that are mm-hmm. unnecessary and are oppressing us in terms of our perspective and our potential, and certainly our kids. And to dare to trust him in ways, it, I mean, there's safety in a box, right? right. I mean, you, you know the dimensions of the box, you know the limits of the box, you know the smell of the box, you know the expectations of the box. But I really think in home education, God is, this is going to sound crazy to some people, but I think God's inviting us outside of the box. Sure. It's out of the box thinking it for is. sure. And, and to your point on this, part of why kids don't like school is all these paradigms, all these boxes are totally arbitrary. That's true. And the one I'm thinking of at the moment is just the the school schedule through the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, typically, let's say a 45-minute class, the bell rings, and then you get 15 minutes to get to the next class. It starts on the hour. It goes 4.45. Ding, you're done, whether or not you're really done. Right. Walk through the halls to the next class and so on. And I, I actually, on purpose, just now did starts at the hour, ends at 45 minutes to make a point. Because I remember when I was in junior high, they had to optimize our school schedule. Right. Because they ended the, there was an overflow of students. And so we ended up with these four lunches. And, all the, and the schedules ended up being so arbitrary. They were rough, something like 43 minutes of class, seven minutes to get to the next class, and then 43 minutes from there, seven minutes off. It was impossible to memorize the schedule, and you literally had to just wait for the ding of the bell. because no. there, there was no way of keeping track of it. And again, it was so arbitrary. I personally hated that routine, and I'm a person who loves routine. Yeah. If it starts at the hour and ends at 45 every time... I, I can deal with that a little bit, but when it's so random that it begins, it becomes a, a, a burden in a big way rather than something that's enjoyable and, and can actually be a lifestyle. Well, I'm going to suggest that that's a definition war because I don't think that's a routine. That's a schedule. It is. And a schedule is a brutal slave master. Yes. Because I remember being in classes, and I think our listeners probably had this experience at least once. You're in a class and you're you're getting it, right? Um Math was not my strong point. Um, I married my mathematician when I married you. But I remember being in math class a couple of days and it was making sense, right, for that one glorious moment in my blonde brain where math made sense. And I was just like, and the bell would ring. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. The bell can't ring now. I was just Please, about just to understand. And then, of course, there were classes that I loved, like history and literature. And I never wanted that bell to ring. But the point is... I didn't really get to chase the things I was interested in. It was like I was suppressed and oppressed by this bell thing. Mm. And that's why I'm such a huge advocate for a routine, for a life rhythm, where you have an order of events for the day, but you're not stuck to the the clock. clock. Right. And you're not certainly not worshiping the bell. Yeah. I would love it 
I love that for our kids, that is such a foreign concept that you would have to change gears when some sound is made. But the fact that we have a rhythm, you know, we get up and we we make our bed, we spend time with Jesus, we have morning responsibilities, we have breakfast time, we have after breakfast responsibilities, and then we start. But we're that, starting into our you know our academic day. But and all the things you just mentioned tend to happen in that order. Sometimes they take two hours, sometimes right. they take two and a half, sometimes they take an hour and a half. It's not about exactly how much time it takes. It's about that flow, that natural rhythm, what makes sense and what's obvious that it's now time to go to the next step. Well, and I can remember, you know, we have a dog. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> that We should do a podcast on flow sometime. We should sometime. Um, anyway. One of the kids will take the dog out in the morning, right? And often will discover something in God's creation. And they want everyone to come out and see that. I remember that that is something in terms of instilling the love of learning. I think it is paramount that moms and dads who want to do this, I can give you one of the number one keys. Get outside. And let your day be interrupted yes. by something that takes you outside. Exactly. Like, like the butterflies or the right. frogs. Right, but make it a priority to be outside. Don't shun outside. The glory of God, Romans says that the handiwork of God is evident in his creation. And when we are pent up all day with books open and noses in books, when there is creation out there to be explored, whether it's a snowflake, a raindrop, a sun ray, a flower, a hummingbird, a moose. A you know, lizard. we have friends yeah. who, who live in the north, and I, I remember meeting somebody, um, I think it was in Maine, and they were like, they had a moose in their backyard. Um, whatever it is, God is trying to show off and draw us outside. And when we dare to allow our children, when we elevate the glory of God as seen in His creation, we're laying a foundation for the, the love of learning. Because we're showing them a holy, mighty God that made this. I mean, one of the, my favorite things is in North Carolina in the fall, we have a proliferation of spiders. I don't know where they are this time of year, but it seems like about September and October, they're all over the porch. And the webs are just oh, are. remarkable. I mean, the, how precise the measure. I, I think if we were to measure in millimeters, because that's what it would have to be, between the the stripes on mm-hmm. the web, it the precision just right. blows me away. And watching the spiders actually build their web, it's, it's mesmerizing. We'll we'll stand on our porch and we'll see a spider beginning his web or halfway through his web, and I don't know what time it is, and I totally lose track of right. everything else. It's mesmerizing to watch it happen, to watch the spider build, and we're all just sitting there in in awe, really, of God and His glory through this spider. And often the kids will run back in, right, because I keep a stack of those golden books with, Mm -hmm, you know, spiders mm -hmm. and birds and lizards and everything. I keep a stack of those little pocket guides, and I would strongly recommend those to you. And the kids will run back in and look up the spider. Where does he live? And how long does he live? And What does he what eat? Do yeah. And we've been known to catch moths and throw them into the spider webs <laughs> to watch them wind them up, right? But all of these things, man, those could be blown if we were living by a bell. Well, right, exactly, because... What kid doesn't want recess to last a little longer? I know, right? And now they're getting rid of recess in a lot of schools. Yeah. So I understand. You know, we are sort of out of the loop, uh, and I'm glad to be out of the loop. Gratefully, yes. Because to creation, 
we can literally explore creation, mm-hmm. which is one of the ways God reveals himself to us. I know. I know. His word and creation. I know. So it's not just about being outdoors and not having a screen in front of you. That's a show for another day. But it's about literally having God reveal himself to us and to our kids by being in his creation, seeing how God does things, seeing what he has created, marveling at the works of his hands. And fanning those flames of curiosity. You know, Deb Bell, who I count as a friend, and she's an amazing speaker and encourager. I I, I really do love Deb Bell. She talks about how kids come wired. They're curious when they come. And we know this, right? With seven kids, how does this work? What's that? Who's that? Not only are they practicing their skills, having watched a lot of conversation when they're learning to talk, they're mimicking what they've seen, conversations or questions and then answers, but they're also just really curious. And it's remarkable to me how they come curious. They come as a blank slate wanting all this information. And we like, we kill it. We work so hard. We're so committed to arbitrary timelines and scope and sequences that we just kill their curiosity instead of nurturing it. So those are learning moments when we're looking up the spider. We're like, let's figure this out. And you're giving them the tools. You're showing them how. You're fanning the flames of these curious things. Oh, my goodness, this spider usually only lives in South Carolina, and here it is in North Carolina. Well, you know, we're not far from the North, the South Carolina border. So we can have all of these conversations, and we're learning, and we're fanning these flames, and we're nurturing this. Well, fanning the flame encourages. I mean, the best teachers we've all ever had encouraged yeah. us in the learning process. And so by encouraging to get outside, by encouraging what they're discovering, right. That's just being a good teacher. It is. It is. And But again, it goes back to the whole idea of rhythm and routine mm-hmm. because you've got that built into your schedule. And all of those other things are going to come. I remember the other day, um, one of our sons is working on a 40-hour end-of-the-year pro- project, and he was turning a pin on the lathe. Right. And when he went to buy, what's that called, Davis? A, a chuck a, to hold the wood. Well, I don't think. A the, jaw. The piece of wood, what's that called? Oh, the blank. The blank. So when he chose the blank, it was beautiful, but I was a little concerned because I knew it to be a really hard wood. And he really loved it. And so that's great. And so he gets home and he's turning it. And I was working out in the butterfly garden and he came out and it was in three pieces. And he was so upset. And this was a complete waste of my time, and now I've wasted all this money, and no, no, no. And so I just sort of let him go. And then he handed it to me, and I said, oh, but my son, this is a moment of learning. This money that you paid for this piece of wood, this blank, and the time that you spent will only be wasted if you don't learn from it. And so not only can we instill a love of learning in the glory of creation and in God's word as we lift him up and in nurturing the curiosity of the spider or the squirrel or the moose. But even in moments of seeming failure, we can fan the flames of learning, of a love of learning. And he sat there for a minute. He was still pretty ticked. And I said, I really want you to think, what have you learned? Exactly. What have you learned? I mean, what a great thing to do as a teacher. Exactly. And that's what we have. And that's still the love of learning. When Mm -hmm. you get that God doesn't waste anything, he hasn't wasted anything ever. If you study his word, he never wastes. He's always redeeming. 
when our kids have those moments of failure, maybe when they in high school get a bad grade or they mess up, uh, they lose a soccer game or they mess up on turning a pin. My goodness, if we can teach them the power of God and how he redeems things and that love of learning, a whole world opens up to them in considering, again, who God is, and how God can use that. The other thing I wanted to mention, too, is when you lay the foundation of this awesome God in elementary because you spend time out in your yard or in the woods or on the seashore or wherever you live, really just watching what God has done. It's, you know, mm-hmm. the Bible says that God tells the waves where to stop. Right. You know, they can't go past where he tells them to stop. And you just... You just sit there in the glory and the wonder of it all. When you lay that foundation in elementary, then when your kids get to junior high and high school, high school specifically the half two years where you're probably working on a transcript, certainly if you if you have any idea of college in the future, everything becomes, because of who you know God to be, who this master creator, and you've explored his creation, right? It's interesting. That points back mm-hmm. to our sponsor. You've explored his creation. Then in the half two years in high school, you can build on that foundation when there's a subject maybe they're not as interested in. And you're like, but this is an opportunity to honor God by taking full advantage of the opportunity that he's given you. And in Colossians, it says, in all you do in word or deed, do all the glory of God. So, I mean, I get that you don't, math is not your favorite thing. So our sixth child is a huge artist, like our second one. Math is not his favorite thing. But when we can reframe it as an opportunity to glorify the God who made the spider web that we've admired and the squirrel in the front yard, then it takes on a whole new meaning, the love right. of learning and the opportunity. Right. Well, uh, speaking of math, that reminds me of one of the points I wanted to make on how to instill a love of learning, and that is involving the kids in their educational process. Certainly. So where it's not all dictated right. to them. Uh, you know, when they're younger, studying subjects they're really interested in, putting a disproportionate amount of time to some of those subjects, but in high school to actually sit down with them and say, okay, we can't do everything. Here are some of the options. You help pick and choose. Right. And just this week, uh, I was working with our sons about a summer math plan. They made a great progress this, this last school year in math. We were all very encouraged. And now it's time to really think about, are we going to do any, what are we going to do during the summer? What books right. are we going to read? And, you know, we'd do it a little lighter, not full speed sure. during the summer. But math was one we decided, let's continue. And I involved them in the schedule. What weeks were we going to take off for vacation, for camp, right. for just a break? Sure. How many lessons a week do you want to do when you're doing mm-hmm. this? And it was a great conversation. I mean, they were fully engaged in the mm-hmm. conversation because it was going to affect them. And they felt some accountability because that's what mom and dad do in homeschool. You provide right. that accountability. And what was so interesting to me was we had this game plan. They were all excited. And then uh, my one son, who was going to uh, start Algebra 2 uh, next week right. when we begin our, our summer math plan, he said, Dad, can I go to the homeschool room and buy the book today? Yeah. I was like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> of Why course. would you say no to that? And, and then they went, you know, did some uh, things in the car and came back a little earlier than I was expecting. I thought, oh, they probably forgot or, mm-hmm. you know, wasn't on their mind. But no, sure enough, they that was a priority for them. They stopped at the store. They got the book. He was all excited. He was going through it since it was a used book, erasing all the pencil marks from the previous yeah, person. I mean, I mean, he was into this. 
uh, which is what I love to see. When I was going to say, I don't think there's a page in that book that he didn't look at yesterday. Right. He was so pumped about seeing what he already knows and what he's going to be learned. I mean, it was just a remarkable moment. Yeah, and I, I think that is just so key. We have the opportunity to take, instead of killing how they come, curious and full of wonder and pre-wired to take in information, we have the opportunity to fan those flames and really nurture that learning. I think it's interesting, too, that because we've had such a love of books at our home, it's it's not seen as a negative thing because I, I had a similar conversation with them yesterday because what are we going to read this summer, right? And there's some titles that they've been wanting to read. And I pitched yesterday, I said, what if we do these three books this summer together? We'll do it in the morning. We'll go out and check the garden, and then we'll read together for about an hour, and then we'll get on with our day. And they were so excited, the three books that we chose to do this summer. There wasn't any, oh, mom, you know. And, of course, I believe— they were involved in the selection process. They were involved in the selection process, and I believe in reading wide and deep— so I'm not going to try to do 26 books this summer, right? I'm going to we're going to do 3 and we're going to go deep and we're going to continue my hope you're being the mathematician. I know you're trying to go deep in the math and I'm trying to get them to really learn how to dig the nuggets out of a really good book and see what they need to see there, but all of it is about fanning these flames of the love of learning because that changes their whole future. That's right. That is a lifetime That's blessing right. that we can give our kids. Well, it's time to bring this wonderful conversation to a close. Thanks for listening. We hope that you'll join us again next time. And if you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. This is Let's Talk Homeschool, and we are your hosts, Davis and Rachel Carmen. We want to thank our sponsor, Apologia Educational Ministries. Have a great day. And until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschool journey of a lifetime.